Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. I remember in my fifth year, I messaged my dad and I said, if I don't cross over from the red to the green in this year, I'm going to shut the brand down. I do feel that a lot of women especially in India when I've spoken to them it's a little bit harder for them than it is for men at the beginning when they would come to me and I'd be like you know men are going to be like this you just really need to know how to get your work done don't be so aggressive don't be so assertive that was such wrong advice they were 100% right my team inspires me and the fact that i can actually work with so many girls tell them that you can ask for a raise without them getting emotional without their voices like shaking and the only thing that i tell them is that you have a right to ask i have a right to say no they're still like i'm his daughter i'm her sister i'm his girlfriend i'm his wife it's still all of that we're actually fooling ourselves now when i look at myself i'm nobody's anything Shabika. Yes, Shani. <laughs> Welcome to Millennial Mind. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I can't believe the dates aligned. Yeah. And you're in London for like five days and you said yes to me. I'm yeah. very, very grateful. I was really excited to actually talk about it because there's so many people who reach out to me and they're like, we want to know your story mm. and et cetera, et cetera. So I've never really done it this way before. Really? Yeah. So it'll be my first. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for choosing me. <laughs> so I want to start with your your journey. So I'm sure everybody who's watching this mm-hmm. knows that you are the founder of Papa Don't Preach, mm-hmm. one of the most amazing brands ever, which is why I'm wearing this crazy pink outfit. Everyone who watches my podcast will be like, you never that that's so on you but I had to I had to for you today I'm so glad yeah I spotted you from a mile away <laughs> so tell me why did you start Papa Don't Preach and and tell me about the name is it really like Papa Don't Preach to me mm-hmm. I think it always is an extension of you whenever it is that you're you're starting a brand you're starting a label you're starting any project mm-hmm. there will always be a very personal reason attached to it at least back when we started when millennials started doing it i think gen z's are a lot more analytical that way yeah but when we did it it was just very instinctive so yeah there was a, a lot of papa don't preach in it cuz i'm also punjabi <laughs> and papa is like a central you know figure yeah you kind of run away from it and you run towards it so there was a lot of that he's very instrumental in shaping who i am who my sisters are how we operate in this world especially like in our work 
So yeah, there was a bit of that, but I, um, mostly I knew that it had to come from music because right. I think that is common for most creative people that you often find what's going on inside of you like you find a language in the music you're listening to and it kind of like shapes and molds and like gives it color and mm -hmm. structure so i knew it had to come from song so i just sat with my playlist and i was going through it and i was and this just popped right at me and i was like oh my god that is me and then i called up my friend and i told her you know what do you think of this and she said oh my god it is so you <laughs> but please check with papa if he's going to be okay with it and luckily papa was at home that day so i went okay. to papa and i said papa what if i call it papa ron preach and he said it'll be amazing it'll be so good so yeah that's how papa ron preach happened and i think that's that's it's such a lovely uh, name that it so kind lovely. of it's an icebreaker it's an instant icebreaker nobody like really knows what to say to me when they see me but they just go like okay why the name like yeah. why papa ron preach and it always starts such like exciting conversations cuz they have so much history with madonna and some of them don't like a lot of people don't even know it's a madonna song or who madonna is i didn't know so the other day i said to my mom guess who i'm interviewing on friday and i said do you know papa don't preach and she started singing this song and i said how what, did what? you not know she goes what what are, i was like what are you singing she was like that's a song by madonna and i was like no not the madonna song the um, brand <laughs> i'm really surprised yeah but yeah that's where it came from say hi to mom from my side and thank you for that education yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what it was. Wow. And so have you always been into fashion? Have you always been a designer? I feel really fortunate I tell people that my parents kind of gifted me the gift of boredom, which is that when I would come back from school they would just let me be. There was no rushing me to like class A to class B to like this class and sports and then they would just let me be and i think when you're getting really bored the kind of the things that you instinctively attracted to or drawn towards are the things that you're actually like aligned to do so yeah in those moments i would be cutting up like my brand new cargo pants i really didn't care about my pants but i wanted to cut out the pockets cuz they were like a bag size and i would attach a string and i would make bags out of it and try to sell it to my friends some of them really tried to even buy it so it was very natural to me and i see that in my sisters as well right So I think that parents play such an important role in in shaping whether or not you will align to your purpose mm -hmm. or align to what you're naturally gifted to do. So I got lucky like that, but you know having said that, I'm not really obsessed with fashion per se. I haven't really watched Sex and the City. I don't really obsess over. I don't really know what what's trending or what brand showcase what or what designer showcase what at what fashion week. For me fashion is just a canvas which I use to kind of express my creativity even when I finished my studies I finished my 10th and my 12th and my junior college I don't know what you call it here but I didn't really yeah I yeah. didn't really go into fashion I haven't really studied fashion right because I was like I want to do 100 million things at that time because you know I used to read so much I wanted to be a lawyer I wanted to do international relations I wanted to learn horse riding there was just so much i wanted to do so i ended up doing mass media and and specializing in journalism then i made a business acquisition as i like to call it at 19 wow. thanks to my dad again thanks okay. to my papa so when i was studying journalism i really wanted to do like evening classes or a summer course or something in fashion because i was drawn towards it right and then this local boutique auntie came to me and she said cuz i used to visit her often and obviously she must have seen i have a keen interest in like aise banana hai and you know you're to like this so she said i need to sell my business 
because I need the money. So let me know if you're interested. And I went to my dad and he said, luckily he's Punjabi. Why? So, I mean, he gets really excited by like business. Okay. And he said, Joe, okay, give me a business plan and let's figure out how you'll do it. But your study shouldn't suffer because I was still in college. So that's how it happened. And I, and he helped me make my first business acquisition. And it was wow. for 60,000 rupees. At that time, it was a big deal for me. Okay. I don't know what the conversion would be here. Um, 60,000 is probably, is it, is it by 100? So 6,000. Yeah. 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 So it was a huge deal for me. And I got one Master G, two tailors, and it was a 200 square feet tailoring shop, literally. So I would go to college in the morning and I would come back in the afternoon and sit at the tailoring shop. And I thought I'd learn on the job and I'd suddenly start making these beautiful clothes. But the reality was that I needed to pay rent and I needed to pay salaries. And I think at 19, you're just so naive about all of that. And like in, in your school and even in uni, you don't really prep for what it really takes to run a business if mm. you ever want to. So what I ended up doing majority of the time was just stitching petticoats and like sari blouses for like 100 rupees, 120 wow. rupees. And then aunties coming in and like haggling and saying, you know, she makes it in 100. Why are you charging me 120? And I'm like, but I put this lace on it. <laughs> I made it in satin, you know, auntie, that is not I made it with love. <laughs> <laughs> and so I decided that I'm not going to interact with clients because that was really overwhelming for me, <laughs> which was also a reason why I called it Papa Don't Preach. And I launched Papa Don't Preach as one of the first independent labels to start an e-commerce website in India where it was like made wow. to measure and stuff like that. But this happened when I put a pause on my tailoring shop, finished my graduation, handed over my tailoring shop to a friend. I said, take care of it for seven months. I came okay. to London and did a really short course, which you can't really call a fashion course because it was, you actually need six years to be able to take, be technically sound at fashion wow so yeah i did that came back and i took back my tailoring shop and i expanded it and i i i decided that india needed me because at that time high street where didn't really exist in india there was no zara there was no nothing Right. And I came back and I told my dad, you know, listen, like I went to London and there's just all these high streetwear brands and River Island was my absolute favorite. Okay. And he said, but why do you think other Indian designers haven't done that? I was like, they've just not thought of it. And he was like, that's not possible. And I was like, no, they've just not thought of it. Like I have this brilliant idea. So again, that's really naive, you know. So I launched it with like these flash mobs that we did again, one of the first in India to do that in like all these nightclubs inspired by Gossip Girl. And for two years... I tried to run it as a high street wire label. Okay. But I kind of realized that when you live in India, you have to respect the fact that you are living in a culture that needs you to, if you want to succeed and if you want to like make money out of your business, you need to make Indian wear. So that's where I kind of switched. I still do Western, which is what I'm wearing. But 90% of it is the revenue generating mm. part of it is the Indian wear. I wow. don't know what your question was. I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. So one of the things I've heard you speak about in other interviews, and you say some people switch off at this point, yeah, right, is when you say you were raised with privilege. Yeah. Now, I think I have a different perspective on this. You can never win with people mm -hmm. because if you're raised with privilege, which we all are, by the way, to some extent, everyone has some level of privilege. Mm -hmm. Someone will criticize you and say, oh, well, you know, only because your, your family provided you with support that you were able to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And some people will say, you know, it was, it's not really them. It's the, the, fa the family investing money, whatever. But if you did nothing, mm -hmm. people would call you lazy. They would call you entitled. So when people are born into privileged families, which we all hope our children are born into, yeah. we all work hard. So our children, mm -hmm. our future families, we give them the best of everything. Mm -hmm. So at what point, do, uh, what are people expecting, right? And you talk about this a lot. So I think my point was that people, especially on social media, they want to know the founder's story right. as one that was really inspiring in a way that they were completely broke and they came up from nothing and yeah. then they built this and you know then it makes sense mm. then it's something that you can you know pat on their back and say like you did good and look at you I think where this switch off is where you acknowledge the fact that yes I was privileged mm. and I am privileged I was thrilled that I was supported both financially, emotionally, yes. in excitement and in enthusiasm by my family to do this. I think it's absolutely impossible to be able to do it without that. Having acknowledged that a lot of people are privileged, as you correctly said. Yeah. The real question and the actual juice of the story really lies in what did you do with that privilege? Exactly. Did you build a business that now can support so many more and so many more more uh, families we mm. have 300 plus karigars and the extended families that now rely on the kind of business that I've built with the help of that privilege are you able to create the work culture that people are excited to come to work and say you know look I work here are you able to have an impact in the world even if it's in the fashion world the creative world by creating products that are created intentionally ethically beautifully thoughtfully yes. so i think that that's the real question that people run away from asking because they need it in like a really short hot bullet that you know i went from this to this exactly and if you listen to me you're going to go from this to this and mm. like that's what i want to know i don't want to know the in between because i know that's the truth that it's going to take a lot of work for me right. to go from point a to point b but i don't want to hear about it because mm. oh my god then i'll have to do something about it you know having said that yes the fact that i was supported at the beginning and a lot of us are supported in the beginning at least in india we're very sheltered and we're very lucky that way it's not the same here i know mm. all, a lot of girls here that i've been meeting on my yes to both new york la and here that a lot of the girls are self-made 100 yeah. because they don't have the kind of support we have in india mm. so i did get the start fund you get that at the right. beginning but if you are somebody who is very self-aware and a very responsible person, you will not not be able to continue taking taking the money if your business is not working exactly. out. So I remember in my fifth year, I messaged my dad and I said, you know, if it if I don't cross over from the red to the green in mm. this year, I'm going to shut the brand down. And he tried to message me saying, no, you know, I'm there and don't. And I was like, wow. no, like, this is it. If it doesn't, then I'm not going to pretend that I can just continue doing this. So five, the first five years are so hard, are so hard. And I wish I could have these conversations with the people who helped me reach here and get here. My friends who've been witness to me. And, you know, I used to have call up my best friend and I'd be like, you know, Anisha, I, I, I have only 200 in my account and I have to make Pay kharchi. Kharchi is like you have to pay every weekly to your uh, to your carigars. Oh. 
and we both would really laugh about it because it was just so funny that you know people think we're running like these fancy businesses and this is the reality of it and i just have so much faith in the universe that i'm going to get an order and i'll be able to pay off the kharchi and it would happen i would just get one client and i'd get that like 20000 order and i'd pay off my kharchi so i was literally going from like week to week to week to week and rent to rent to rent to rent and yeah i remember doing this exhibition and i had to pay rent that month and i got you know somebody paid me cash and i quickly gave it to lily who was with me so she joined me as housekeeping staff but now she's my manager okay manager in terms of like my stock manager and things yes. like that i remember collecting and giving it to her and i said bhag ke ja and you know landlord and everyone yeah, yeah. Run, the landlord is going to come and just give it to him and so she ran she put on a person she's going and spinning it so that is the truth of it that's crazy that, but that is the reality and that is what makes it so exciting that today i can talk about that and feel so privileged by that as well but it was but how hard. were you not scared I mean I was I'm not going to lie it's yeah. not that I wasn't scared and I think it's it takes a lot of people supporting you and kind mm. of building you up at every point and saying you know it'll be fine but there's a lot of resilience that you have to have when you set out to set a, a start a business and a lot of faith I just had a lot of faith that money will come and I will oh be able God. to make my payment and it has happened and I am like that till date you know I'm getting teary. I just feel like that's such a crazy story. How you just didn't have the mo- money to pay for your rent. Yeah. And people look at you now, and you said, "And look, what, what's so fascinating is you said for five years you didn't make money." Yeah. No, not at all. For five years. No. Even now, there are months where our expenses are way higher than what we're getting, right? Because it's more seasonal. If you look at Brideloin Inwear, mm. so there are months that are like six months at a stretch when we're not, but then there are six months when you do. in season time so that is any business and that's what right. i say that if you're aware at every point and if you're engaging in your business at every single point there is no moment in time where you will sit back and say look i've arrived and i've done it because every day is a challenge and that is the nature of business yes at whatever level There's just no such thing as an overnight success. It doesn't happen like that for anyone. Impossible, yeah. And everybody probably looks at you now and thinks, "Oh my god." When I when I've told some people I'm interviewing, they're like, "No way." <laughs> like, "No way." And even me, I was like, she said, "Yes." What? Oh my god, this is crazy. Yeah. Because people look at you now and and they see your brand as like what you are now. Mm-hmm. And they assume you've done that yeah. in like 2 years, 3 years. Nobody yeah. knows the long story. But one of the things I want to touch on is you know you're very vulnerable and very open for telling me just now there are months where your expenses are higher than your cost. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't do that. And one of the things that I think we connected on initially was when you were talking about how people complain the outfits is too expensive. Yeah. And this is a common theme that's hum- happening amongst a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. And they and I've heard a lot of memes and I've seen a lot of reels where people say don't ask me for a discount. Don't ask me for the best price. The price is the price. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me about that. So I think that <clears throat> it's brilliant to be able to say it like that, but again, it is the same problem which is that you're giving it to people in a bullet form, right? The truth is that would I today be able to afford Paparon Breach? Just, you know, oh, I like an outfit and I want to buy it. Personally, would Shubhika be able to buy it? No. you know i would have to probably save up for it i would have right. to plan for it so the truth is that it is expensive yeah but it is luxury 
and why it is luxury is because it takes around 20 karigars so many days over a week to finish one lenga and then that is just the embroidery part of it and then it goes for stitching and then it has so many processes so something that is actually if you go back to how when fabric is produced and dyed dyed and shipped and packaged and then embroidered and then mm. washed and then blended and na 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 if you go through all the processes the product in itself is expensive right secondly if you are paying fair, more than fair wages that is the uh, that is the added expense having said that the product still probably is just 40 50% of the entire cost wow it is the luxury it is the brand that gives that attaches the, the additional cost mm. and why that happens is because so if today somebody wants to come and shop a paparon preach and if i don't give them a store if i don't give them an experience when they walk in if i don't give it to them in the right packaging if i don't put it on models if i don't have it on alia bhat if i don't have it da, 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 the aspiration wouldn't be created you wouldn't really want to own it you wouldn't actually want to like walk into yes. the store sit and say listen i wore a paparon preach so you want the luxury experience mm. you want people to say that look i'm wearing a lenga that alia bhat probably wore but you don't want to pay for that you just want to pay for the product and you want to pay for the product at actual product cost which is just the product not about the pe- not for the people who are making it not for the people who are designing it designing a lenga takes i think close to a month which wow. is ip right how long and how many people and how many designing hours and then to actually be able to execute it and how many masters and how many pattern mm. cutters and how many people are involved and how many steps are involved in making that product versus going to a boutique where you're saying you know there to you get copies in like half the price but that's right. because they didn't have to invest in a team that thought of the design that came up with the design that yes. made multiple corrections and changes so of course you're going to pay half for it because they really did nothing they just really lifted it off the internet and made a copy you know and your so, 4k cameras you said yeah they're <laughs> so, like you come into my shop with your three cameras on your iphone yeah. you take my photo yeah. you leave and then you claim it's a papa and preach outfit too yeah yeah and Okay, I mean if you want to do that, you do that. I'm not no one to judge you, but mm-hmm. then you want to tag me. Yes. And then you want to say look I'm wearing a paparon preach when you're wearing a copy. And that's so unfair. Mm. That you don't want to shop from me. You want to say it's so expensive. It's overpriced, not just that it's expensive. I understand it's expensive. Mm. I understand that myself because when I if I would have to buy it on my own, I would also find it expensive because luxury is expensive because right. it's an entire experience. It's an entire brand and like an ecosystem attached to just more than just the product. but you say all that and then you tag us to let the world know that you've spent 3 lakh versus the 50000 that you've actually paid that's really unfair and now you want to be associated with my brand yeah i found that so powerful yeah and then and then they actually respond by saying oh but you know i'll send you a receipt i've actually shopped from you <sighs> and then you know or they'll say things like oh i i hadn't even heard of your brand i just bought it from a boutique so how did you tag me so these wow. are it's so frustrating at every level that at least have the courtesy to say you know and there are so many brides who do copy us We don't really go out saying anything to them. I'm saying don't tag us. Yeah. You know, don't try to I mean that's the least that you can do. 
That's so powerful. I remember seeing your stories on that and I just thought, wow, mm -hmm. I can't believe people are doing that. Yeah. Like you're copying the design, you have the audacity to tag the designer. And then when you've asked them to take it down, they say no. You know, and it's so funny because some wedding blogs actually like take those pictures because the brides send them those yes. pictures, right? And then... And then we start getting orders <laughs> because of the copies. And oh, I'm good. Like, what What do you do? Like, how do you, what do you do in this whole thing? And then I told my girls, okay, share it. I mean, if we're getting orders, wow. share the pictures. I mean, why not? Oh, my God. So that, then you're sharing it? <laughs> yeah, that just happened once. But I'm saying okay. that that's so funny because you don't know whether to laugh or cry mm. in these situations. So you just... And people say, oh, imitation is the best form of flattery. Okay, it is. It is. But it's such an insult. But also no. Mm. Because now what's happening because of social media is if I don't post it immediately, I'm going to lose followers and lose interest. So I need to post it immediately, even before we are ready with the production to back it up, right? As soon as I've released the picture, people have already started copying it and it comes out in the market. By the time we're out, of, out with the collection and the production, people are like, oh, I've already seen it in like here or there and... So that actually hits the business and that's really upsetting. It's mm. not no longer about flattery or not because the world has changed, the speed has changed. It would have been flattering if it came out like six months after I've released my collection. Now it comes out even before I've released it just because of the BTS or like a snippet that we've shared. Wow. Yeah, so it directly impacts businesses. And that's what people say about fast fashion, right? Yeah. Designers spend so long trying to curate the perfect pieces. Mm -hmm. People come in, sweep their idea and it's already out in the market. Yeah. And everyone's already over it. Oh, everyone already has it. Yeah, and then people are like, oh, but it's not your IP because you've not trademarked it. But I'm like, have you ever tried to understand what the process of trademarking is or patenting is? I would have to spend years trying to patent one lenga, and by the time <laughs> I've done that, <laughs> I'm already sick of the design. So there is like no winning here sorry people want you to patent every lenga you put out i mean that's when you can claim it to be your ip right? oh my god but yeah. for every single it's so expensive it'd be like it's expensive i crazy. mean it's time yeah. consuming and also there are so many loopholes right like if in your entire lenga the person has changed a little bit of the flower it's no longer a copy so what's the point yeah that's crazy. Yeah. I want to talk about your experience as owning a business as a woman, because I do feel that a lot of women, mm -hmm. especially in India, when I've spoken to them, it's a little bit harder for them than it is for men. Mm -hmm. Did you have that experience? So personally, because I've never really worked anywhere, but in my own label, and I've always been in a position of power, it hasn't actually been challenging for me but I do know the girls who worked with me mm -hmm. have found it challenging because all the carigars that we have are 99 oh, more than 99 like 99.9% .9 men so the girls who would have to come in and like deal with them they've found a lot of like you know how can you be my manager and how can you you know wow. so that is like even my shoe designer my Tanu she struggled a lot because she had to deal with the shoe industry, which was just only men. And she had to deal with vendors who were just extremely, extremely, extremely sensitive to taking directions from women. Wow. Um, yeah. So I've seen girls struggle. I haven't personally... Maybe I haven't really thought about it as deeply as I should have. Because I know that it is harder for women. And I don't mm. think that that is just to do with us being in India. No, it's not. It is hard. Yes, in general. But personally, I cannot really narrate any experiences. And how do you guide your team through that? So your shoe designer, mm -hmm. your, you mentioned somebody else. 
when they're experiencing that? Yeah, so I, I, I think there I could have been better because okay. at the beginning when they would come to me and I'd be like, you know, men are going to be like this. You just really need to know how to get your work done. Don't fight back, but just like figure out a softer way to just get your work done because you just have to get your work done, right? Like okay. say this or say that or do this. Or just like don't be so aggressive. Don't be so assertive. Don't be da-da-da. But now I feel like that was such wrong advice because I was actually because they were 100% right in wanting to do it the way because there's absolutely nothing wrong in them asking why my order is not on time or why? when will I get it or can you give me an update can you and people and you know these men would get really upset by that like well how can she ask me how they would message me why is she I don't want to talk to her you talk to me directly like why is she going on asking me why is she and I was like she's doing a job but I should have kind of empowered her to say, you know, fight back. As women, I feel we're very much told not to be assertive. Yeah. And when we are assertive, when we are strong, when we are firm, yeah. people look at us as difficult. 100%. I felt that my whole life. 100%. And when I stand my ground on something, as much as I stand my ground inside, I feel guilty. Yeah. Because I think, what are they thinking of me? I agree. If my mom asks me for something and I say no, mm -hmm. and I set a boundary... I still feel guilty. Yeah. Why is that? It's just ingrained, right? Being a good mm. girl is ingrained. It is. It is. And it's so hard to understand that there are there is just not a good girl and a bad girl. There is an in-between. And the in-between has never really been defined. Yes. By anyone, especially not in our role models, like our moms or anybody older than us, at least from that generation, because they just had it so much harder. So much and because words and like these quotes and like all these things that we see on Instagram are okay. But the only way to actually learn this is by watching somebody. And I think the role models were missing. So we didn't know what an in-between girl looked like, you know, and like, what is her objective? Like, how do you define her? And what does she look like? What does she say? And it was so scary to become that person who suddenly wouldn't have that identity and like, who am I right now? You know, it's so, it's so important for us to be able to identify at every point that, oh, I'm being like her. I'm being like this one. So I'm okay. I'm being like her. So I'm bad. I'm being like this or that. So it's the in between that I think it's, is our responsibility to now be able to define and be role models for the next generation. And I feel really fortunate. Somebody asked me on the panel day before, what inspires you? And I said, my team inspires me. And the fact that I can actually work with so many girls and sit with them and tell them that you can ask for a raise without them getting emotional, without their voices like shaking, like, I don't know how much I, I you know, and you know, yes, they're so scared and I can picture myself in their, in their shoes. And the only thing that I tell them is that you have a right to ask. I have a right to say no. Both parties are equally empowered here. Mm. So... Don't be afraid because like if, if you ask for something really crazy, I will be able to say, listen, I won't be able to do that and vice versa. So there is a power imbalance in girls. They always, they need to be built up. Like we have to be built up. Now I'm 35 now in two days. Wow, happy birthday. <laughs> so, and I think what happened to me when I turned 30 was this kind of a realization that, oh shit, you know. I don't know my identity in a very real sense of like, 
am i a good girl or am i a bad girl because there were mm-hmm. certain decisions i was taking in my personal life that was just making me question that all the time and this cannot be learned unless you are put in a position or a life situation or an experience where you're absolutely identityless and the only person you can identify with is yourself and then you're forced to look at like who am i now so i think that in your 20s and that's most of the girls that i work with mm. they haven't luckily they haven't had life experiences that have put them in a position where they just only need to identify with themselves wow. they're still like i'm his daughter i'm her do- her sister i'm his girlfriend i'm his wife it's it's still all of that wow and as long as we're doing that we're actually fooling ourselves because yes. we're actually like losing so much time on just and now when i look at myself i'm nobody's anything same so i have to really 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 find who i am and i think that's a journey that i'm on right now i think that without the recognition that Mm. everything that i do is interconnected yes. i'm completely 100% interdependent and there are people who are dependent on me and i'm dependent yes. on them that's not what i mean by when i say like i have to identify as me mm-hmm. i think that that when i when i specify that i mean the question of like who am i Why when is? there is nobody else's voice speaking through me or nobody else's ideas of what i need to say or be like in this situation guiding me ah. that kind of a vacuum that gets created when you eliminate all of that and all of what society or your family or everybody has kind of defined for you and probably i've understood that as my definition through them that that, I, that that's what i'm talking about but i would not have been able to do paparun preach without every single person who's been a part of my journey mm. since 2000 and probably i don't know 10 or before that like mm-hmm. when i was 19 people are so important definitely you cannot do anything in a vacuum in isolation never i'm not a person who can even design sitting alone <laughs> i'm not a person who can like think of a caption sitting alone i really? need people to like bounce off my ideas i need them to say like really funny or ridiculous things and me saying oh my god that shit like yeah i can do it better you know right. even if it's for that i mm. do need people you need people all the time so the interdependence is what you is really key actually yeah and i think back to that point of how i've i feel like because i've always been so independent i found it really hard to be interdependent right because sometimes i thought that means being dependent yeah and so sometimes when i feel like i am reliant on somebody i feel like oh my god this is like such a attack and it's scary. to me because i think like oh my god are they going to think i'm dependent on them because i'm not i i'm i'm not dependent on them at all but i've learned with time especially in relationships that you do need to be interdependent i mean i'm i'm a solo person on my team so i can't i can't say that i work with anyone yeah. because i do this by myself but i think when i do hopefully one day get a team and work with them that interdependence is key and i remember reading a book about it was say if there's a wall and you're standing and you're trying to look over the wall 
Dependence would be like you're trying to, someone has to carry you mm -hmm. to look over the wall. And interdependence would be like you lean on each other so you can both see. Absolutely. Right? I think. But this is a team, right? The people you yes, have on this couch with you is a team. Yeah. So you are working with people. You That's wouldn't true. have a podcast if you didn't have a team. If I didn't have anyone to come mm -hmm. on. That's mm -hmm. so true. So Papa Don't Preach has dropped the women's wear label. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So I think when COVID hit, you know, everybody went through that phase of, or especially I'll, I'll only speak for myself. I went through that phase of, I want to leave everything. I want to shut down my brand. I want to go to like a yoga ashram and I want to just, you know, what am I even doing? What's the purpose of it all? Like, why am I making clothes, shoes, bags? What is this? Why, you know? I can uh, tell you your purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I went through that and then we came out of covid and i remember this was post the first lockdown which was a really long severe lockdown it is in india you couldn't step out of your house we did the shoot and i think that's what's so beautiful about papa don't preach because every team member who has joined us has brought with him or her or them something so unique so i remember this lovely boy minas he joined the team and he identifies as queer Mm -hmm. And just with him, there was this wave of, you know, we want to do an entire campaign that's around queer love. And it wasn't anywhere around Pride Month or none of that. It, right. that. That was not the reason. So we did this. We found a real couple. We told their story. And I think that just set like a butterfly effect. And Alok with Menon decided to wear us. And I think when they did that, and the kind of reaction that we got on Instagram, it was a really emotional reaction because people absolutely hated us for doing it. Really? Yeah, and there was like, you, we were losing followers, like 4,000 and like 5,000. And we're just like, I was sitting in a meeting and I'm like, what's going on? My team and my social team was so worried because we live in a time where it's so tough to get followers on Instagram. So tough. And here we're losing and we're literally dropping followers. So she was like, what do we do? And... I said nothing. I mean, it's okay. Let people leave. Mm. And then I decided to do a post and I wrote to Alok saying, you know, I want to do this post where I want to say, okay, thank you for the people who are sh giving us love and mm. bye-bye to people who are leaving. I hope I fi you find love in your heart someday. And mm. Alok responded saying, you know, that's so beautiful. And, I was and they were extremely touched by it, which was really touching for me. So when I did that and when they responded that way, and the kind of reaction that we got. And now we have brides coming in saying, you know, that's when I decided I want to be a Papa Don't Preach bride when I saw that moment. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So we were always somebody that who were, because we're so much color, right? We were always dressing everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone who was okay to wear dresses, everyone. Da -da. We never really consciously created clothes that, could be worn by either gender unless it was a lenga choli which needed like the padding and stuff okay. like that but after this episode after Alok with men and wore it and the kind of reaction we got we decided to drop the women's wear label the tag from you know our papa don't preach of women's wear label we dropped it which is a luxury label now and i think that it is it isn't a really grand idea mm. it's something that was a very obvious thing that should have already happened really long ago and everyone should have kind of done it and I think the whole point of fashion anyways I always tell people that our collections are all season our colors are all season I don't feel like 
like if we say we're being inclusive why should we not be color inclusive in clothes as well why should there be winter colors or summer colors and why you know how is that fashion the whole point of fashion is freedom and why say summer collection autumn and like winter da da so we don't do none of that so mm-hmm. we are very inclusive in that sense towards colors and cuts and silhouettes and stuff like that so it was just a very natural thing for us to do and i'm i'm glad that we did it when we did it i just wish we had done it earlier and i think i just i met with alok in new york and had a really lovely conversation with them and i think i hope that we see a lot more people you know do that with fashion degender it and just have fun with it and make it free again Now the last thing I want to talk to you about unfortunately I wish we could be here all day is Papa don't preach in the metaverse. Yeah. Now you are one of the very few brands mm-hmm. the only Indian brand yes that are in the metaverse. Yeah. What is the metaverse? Oh, And God. why <laughs> why do we need Papa don't preach in it? So that is such a tricky question as a millennial I'm just still trying to understand that I gather all my gen z in the office and I'm like explain this to me so it's a world that's getting created like the internet got created where like I mean don't quote me on any of this and fact check me at every point because I don't have the right technical words to explain this but it's a, it's a reality that is being created I'm not going to get into the technicalities of it. I watched my nieces in lockdown. They were preteens and they've come out teenagers post covid. The entire time was spent on Roblox and like all these kind of games where the world is so real. They have best friends who are wishing them on their birthday, sending cards. They're meeting each other inside and they're going for like haircuts together in the game and they're going to So I saw that there was a really real world that was created. Mm-hmm. Now fashion is something that and I, I again understood it from a very young person and she said that her brother is obsessed with uh Fortnite which is a game where you know the the Travis Scott concert happened and she said he spent days and days and days and days picking his skin and spent so much money on picking the skin that he would wear to the concert. Because you know on Instagram, like five hundred or like thousand people will see you. Yeah. For a normal person, but in the metaverse, there'd be millions who would see you wear that skin. Right. So it's just an extension of this kind of life that we're living. We're opening up to like a bigger community that can interact with each other and be mm-hmm. with each other and stuff like that. And fashion is always such an integral part of any. thing where you want to define yourself and show yourself and showcase yourself so fashion is a very natural extension of people wanting to like step into this world mm. being themselves looking like themselves dressing like how they want to dress so i don't know if there was a need for babaron peach to be in metaverse uh but i think that it is a very natural um way life is extending now and yes. babaron peach is such a young brand that it is for the future it is not of the present so we are talking about people who are going to be on the metaverse and 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 go to college and university inside metaverse and you know attend events and stuff like that inside mm. metaverse so we have to be ready for that so yeah it was exciting i think we're also the only brand that made garments look 3d because of the embroideries there's nobody who's really done it so far at least to my knowledge and it may be limited but this is what i know that the all the embroidery we did was very 3d it really yeah. looked very real and i'm i'm excited that we were able to do that 
I'm excited to wear it in the metaverse and in real life. Yeah, I, I hope we do. I hope we're not too old for when that happens. We won't be. <laughs> we won't be. But, you know, I've had so much fun talking to you today. I found your story so inspirational, even though you don't have to tell me from the rock bottom to the rock high. I really did. And I'm so grateful you've come. We have a new tradition now uh -huh. where we close the podcast mm -hmm. with a truth or a dare. Okay. <laughs> All right, then. Truth it is for me. Truth. Tell me one thing that you wish you could take back in your journey or do again. Hmm. There is really nothing. But I mean, if I had to do it all over again, if I was a, a student of fashion, not, not in terms of like studying fashion, but I would mm. definitely work under somebody. Okay. I skipped that step. I was in a hurry to kind of start my own business and like save India and bring like amazing stuff, clothes to India. But I think what that gives you is so, so special. And which is why it really hurts me that the younger generation doesn't want to do that anymore and doesn't want to like intern anymore and doesn't want to learn anymore. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much pressure on them. I don't know if the truth is a long answer. It's okay. <laughs> yeah because i think what's happening to the younger generation is that they're seeing so many like overnight successes on the internet that they're like if they're not making it and if they're not like successful and traveling and like you know um, they're not successful right. they're not famous and that's so unsettling like oh my god i'm just an intern at 23 yeah you should be an intern at 23 um, even at 29 or even at 30. Yeah, I mean, you should be learning because it is the only time you can actually learn on somebody else's money and you're actually wow. getting paid for it. So all my trial and error and all the mistakes I made were on my own money. And I could have saved a lot of years. I could have saved a lot of money if I had just trained under somebody and I would have like, you know, had access to their network, had access to like you know their own learnings and their mm. wisdom and i don't think anything any book any college can kind of replace that so wow. yeah i wish i had worked for somebody thank if you at all yeah well thank you so much for coming <laughs> i'm really excited to be here i'm glad we did this and thank you you're absolutely lovely to speak with and i'm so thrilled that you're wearing pink <laughs> next time when we do this interview i'll be wearing papa don't yeah, preach yeah. don't worry yeah like, i hope it's in india it will be Hey everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.